Welcome to DevOps Sauna. My name is Lauri and I am the Chief Marketing Officer of Efficode. Not too long ago, we held a hugely popular two-day DevOps 2020 event. In the event, we had awesome speakers from around the world telling stories about DevOps tools and culture for over a thousand people online. Since then, we have made these recordings available at the Efficode website, and due to the popularity of these speeches, we have now made them also available in our podcast. You can find the links to the video recording and to the materials referred in the speech in the show notes. We are also keen to feature topics that you find interesting in the area of DevOps. Do let us hear about you in our Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn pages. Today, our speaker is Erasmus Selsmark. He is a lead developer at Unity, and his topic is about scaling DevSecOps to integrate security tooling for more than 100 deployments per day. Unity's next step is to integrate security tooling into the deployment process and therefore avoiding container vulnerability scanning happening days or weeks after the actual deployment took place. He will also talk about build pipelines for microservices. With that, it's high time that we tune in for the show. So I'm here to talk about um, how we at Unity have scaled um, security security tooling into our build pipelines um, for both uh, on some days more than 100 deployments per day, um, but also we're going to talk about microservices where we have roughly 200 microservices um, using this build pipeline that I'll get into. So I am Rasmus. Uh, I've been at working at Unity Technologies since uh, 2013. Being a lead engineer in the in a, one of our DevOps teams um, since 2018, I've been building that um, this case uh, the Unity Ads part of Unity. Uh, I'll come back a bit on uh, the different um, areas of Unity. My background is originally a developer. Then I've been working in test automation, also leading QA teams before transitioning into DevOps. Um, and I, th- I think that's a uh, with that background, I've seen a similar movement of uh, quality where um, back 10, 15, 20 years ago, you would have a separate QA teams. Might be even some places you still have, which works when you, if you have a fairly um, infrequent deployments, we're talking several months, then there is time for manual testing in, the, in that process. Um, I, I can see the same happening with the security, where security has been this, you have actually time to do a security audit. Um, or you would have time for doing that. But today, when you want to ship early, ship fast, um, there really really isn't time for either manual testing um, or a large security audit, which is the purpose of why we actually want to have um, early feedback, uh, both on testing by running automated tests as part of pipeline, but also integrating security tooling into pipeline. And I actually was attending the same conference in 2018, where I um, talked about the first part of, um, of what we've done at Unity in terms of building a, a common deployment pipeline, build and deployment pipeline, which enables a lot of this, that we are able to integrate uh, tools um, into one shared build pipeline, which then is available to um, all, the, all the teams using that. Um, and that goes again then for security tooling in this case. I've seen a lot of the questions on earlier presentations today asking about actual tooling. Uh, I hope I will be able to address those in this presentation um, by showing what, what tools we're using. So um, 
coming from a game company, thought a good way to visualize this is a uh, tower defense game. So this is actually running in Unity. So for the security, um, like in the tower defense game, you have enemies, in this case, uh, various uh, threats, vulnerabilities, um, and we have tools slash weapons um, we can use to eliminate those. One point of this presentation is that I will show some, some of the tools we're using, the context of how your context might vary. Um, so it might not be the same tools. These tools are constantly evolving, and we're also work, working with our security teams at Unity to see if there are new tools, better tools uh, we can use instead. Um, so keep in mind that this is a constantly, both the vulnerabilities themselves are and security threats are constantly evolving, um, but also the market of security tooling and especially also open source tooling is evolving. Um, so there was a bit about, so one side of the unity is to build the game engine um, for building games, shipping those. Another uh, thing we do at Unity and the part of Unity I'm in is um, building services, online services for game developers. Um, my background is from the Unity Ads Network, where we have roughly 35,000 requests per second from um, games requesting a net across almost 2 billion devices per month. And this is, as mentioned, um, an architecture of 200 microservices um, that is behind this. So, which is also one of the interesting aspects of when um, we talk about scaling, that's uh, yes, quite wide reach um, of, of Unity. Would like to uh, basically just reuse, borrow this slide from um, Guy Pajani, uh, founder of the SNIC. SNIC is a static code analysis tool or static analysis tool. I'm not going to, we're not using that tool, but I think it's a good presentation. I would recommend people to, uh, to watch this presentation. Um, and talks about monolith worth, uh, versus microservices architecture and how you, in a monolith, application, you have a very clear parameter. There's a typically a um, few ways of uh, inputs and some outputs from, from that system. And when you talk about from a security aspect, that is what you're interested in. How can you actually, what are the interfaces into your system? Um, and in a sort of monolithic uh, application, the fewer inputs you have, the easier it is also to address those and test those from a security point of view. Um, constraint flows means that also when you have uh, is, is this sort of a bit black box approach. So when you have input into the system, um, something happens within the monolith and you get an output. It's again relatively easy from a security point of view of you have a few endpoints you can uh, you can target and you can test those and see, okay, um, do fast testing, um, try to break those. And the wholesale deploys is again back to Usually you have fewer deployments, um, which also allows a bit more time in each deployment uh, for doing a security audit, for instance. Um, whereas on the other side, a microservice architecture has uh, way more endpoints. So basically each of these microservices has their own endpoints uh, interface to interact with. Very flexible flows, meaning that data can actually flow uh, different ways through a microservice architecture. Um, 
and some cases, so it might be that one service is uh, taken down. So uh, data flows to other services might be that you're running some A-B tests, meaning that you are sending 10% of traffic to a new service to see how that service works in terms of other functionality, um, in terms of uh, latencies, um, performance, and not least constant deploys, meaning that you re release often. Um, and getting back to the point of if we release often, and we're talking in our case, typically with um, 15 to 30 minutes from merge to uh, being deployed, um, in this case for uh, one of some of our services at a thousand uh, Kubernetes pods, means that you actually don't have, you, you don't have much time to do uh, run security tooling. Well, but to this point, um, having microservices means that you have smaller code bases in each microservice does actually help on that because it means that the, if the code base is smaller, the, uh, the time it takes to scan a smaller code base is also, scan a smaller code base, of course, also helps. In terms of microservices, Guy, the presenter from this one, uh, even calls microservices from a mess from a security perspective. Um, we are running a microservices architecture uh, at Unity Ads. Primary reason for that is the ability to scale, um, scale out. So that means that you actually can scale the, the relevant microservices um, out where, where there is a need for that. In our case, it means that the, the dashboards where game developers will access get way less uh, requests per second compared to the runtime where, um, environment, which uh, is the one that the games are um, contacting. And then also for a, um, a clearer uh, code ownership model, where one microservice, is, one microservice is owned by one team, which means that it's again, um, gives a, a more clear uh, code ownership model. Another thing which microservice architecture introduces is a lot of sort of, we call it library duplication. So the fact that you are using the same libraries across many, um, of the repositories, microservices, means that if there is a vulnerability found in one library, external library, means that that needs to be um, addressed in a lot of different places. Whereas the, in the monolith, you don't have to uh, update that once and then it's done. Whereas in a microservice, it could be, theory in our case, uh, 200 microservices that needs to have the same library updated. So that's also what uh, we try to address. Quick slide about our uh, the DevOps uh, team culture at, um, at Unity, at Unity Ads in this case. Um, an important note is that Unity, as I said, we ship both a desktop product, which is the Unity game engine, which has a different deployment model. And that is shipped as a desktop product with a few releases versus our online services, which are released continuously. So for Unity Ads, we have a relatively small DevOps team of seven people compared to probably 250 uh, developers. So it's a, it's a small team and um, with intention all the time of driving a DevOps culture um, and avoiding becoming a bottleneck, which also means that also will be part of this presentation, that it's also about spreading good practices, best practices from development teams. So if development teams or if one development team is using um, tools that we can see can also benefit other teams then uh, spread that practice. One sort of product that the uh, DevOps team in Unity is developing is a common 
shared CI/CD pipeline, which is the one used to deploy 200 microservices. We do have other uh, pipelines, uh, CI/CD pipelines within Unity. Um, so this is just one of the example. I I don't necessarily think that you need to have one pipeline cover all the way from uh, shipping a desktop product to online services. At the bottom, we have a shared infrastructure. So we have we are using the same network, Terraform for uh, configuration as code for spinning up infrastructure, running on Google Cloud, and then also the security tools. So we're working with a security team at Unity. There's a centralized security team who are evaluating security tools. And many of the tools that I'll show today are actually sort of picked by that security team. And we see it as our role to integrate that into a pipeline because Having centralized security tools does give the benefit of giving the security team insights into where where could there be um, an opportunity to uh, do a security audit of um, of some some microservices, for instance. Then on top of that, we have the the shared build and deployment pipeline, um, which on top of that, the dev teams are building their um, their services, deploying their services. One way where we started um, was, uh, so we're running on Kubernetes. I believe most of the tools that we've shown today also will work in a non-Kubernetes environment. Um, Kubernetes has some guidelines on 11 ways not to get hacked. It says static, static analysis of, in this case, YAML. Kubernetes is a lot of YAML. Um, but static analysis in general, uh, as early as possible, instead of having to do the runtime uh, evaluation. Uh, run containers as non-root users in case there would be a vulnerability. At least uh, you don't get that far. And scan your, uh, in this case, images and run intrusion detection. So um, scan images for vulnerabilities, intrusion detection for verifying that if there are um, suspicious traffic in your in your environment. From that blog post, um, mentions the notion of shifting left, which for me for me just means early feedback. Um, we want to release often uh, fast, so that means that having less time for um, for doing a security audit, for instance. So the earlier we can, we can catch issues and give feedback to the development teams, the better in, in terms of avoiding uh, vulnerabilities in production. So if we look at a development workflow uh, or release workflow even, um, uh, we have development of a service, then we have the CI CD pipeline of build test running static analysis, deployment, and finally going into staging and production. Some of the tools, I'll go through these. Um, on the left side, doing development phase is to keep, sort of I would put this as keeping your code base tidy, uh, meaning that avoid, any, avoid at the code base level that you have vulnerabilities in your code base. The earlier we can detect um, and correct issues, uh, the better in this case. We don't as such have uh, the build test phase. We don't have any standardized tool for that. I know some teams are, uh, as part of their unit test, also testing for security um, issues, but we don't have any um, standardized tooling for that. So the next one is static analysis, where we've used some tools. Again, so that's the, at least before deploying to uh, production, getting um, information about if there are any vulnerabilities. I'll come back to those tools later. Doing deployment, uh, have a sequence management, so we don't have store any secrets in code. And doing uh, when running in staging and production, using runtime uh, container scanning um, for detecting any issues at runtime. And the whole part of this is on the moving to the left, 
or the tools at the left side is to provide early feedback to development teams, whereas on the right side, it's collecting metrics. Usually those on the right side, it's more a security team who is able to react on those and address those issues. So let's, let's start with the early feedback part. Always good when we have examples of uh, worst case examples. So Equifax, which probably most of you are familiar with. So uh, they had a huge leak of personal uh, data because a unpatched web application. So there was a window of two months where a uh, vulnerability to that stack had been available. Um, and during those two months, uh, attackers actually managed to get in and get access to the data. For that, we are using a tool called Renovate. So Renovate will run every day, check if there are updates to your to the libraries that you're using in your code base, and automatically uh, create a pull request into into our GitHub repository, um, which will then go through the uh, our, our pipeline of running tests. So actually, we can feel confident that yes, uh, this change will still work and doesn't break. So, and also another added benefit of that is to avoid building uh, up technical depth. So, um, updating your libraries as early as possible, which also, in, from a security point of view, means. Uh, avoiding having uh, vulnerable, vulnerable libraries. The AWS token uh, getting uh, leaked from one of their GIST, as we, uh, we call, um, or a, a repository. And for that, don't store secrets in your code base. Um, and we actually have a uh, internally developed tool, but I know that uh, GitHub is also having a GitHub token scanning tool, which will also uh, warn you about tokens in your source code. But again, so this is an example of uh, if you try if if you try to push a, a secret into a code base. In this case, it's a set of uh, regular expression, which we'll see. Does this look like a um, a token? Um, and then it will actually on the on the commit in the GitHub will uh, you get a notification saying that hey, um, that's actually this looks to be a secret. Um, and then of course remove that from the code uh, and rotate the token in that case. Then next part is static analysis uh, for which we're running uh, three tools, uh, SonarCube, SourceClear, and Trivi. Uh, we'll get back into those how much time. So SonarCube, we actually started using that as a tool for uh, quality analysis of our code base. It gives a very good uh, overview of code smells in your, uh, in your code base, um, but also has a security hotspots uh, feature which can also tell us about possible vulnerable um, areas of your code base. And is, is used by our security team as, so when we, if a if security team is doing an audit of a uh, of a code base, SonarCube is a way for them to try to get a good idea of where to, where to look and just at the first level, get an idea of which, by having the metrics available across different services, know, okay, which service is actually interesting to look at. Another tool is SourceClear. SourceClear will do, scanning of, again, code, um, of your source code, but also check uh, libraries. So such it does similar as uh, Renovate, but does this at a later stage. But also, um, so it actually is able to find if you are, if you're part of a, a pull request, will add a vulnerable library. SourceClear will detect that during the, the build of that pull request. Another nice feature, um, so first this is sort of, the ideal view of a project scanned by um, SourceClear showing that 
nice work. Uh, no vulnerables, um, vulnerabilities in this or vulnerable libraries in this project. Another nice feature uh, from SourceClear is the and other tools also providing that SNCC, for instance, uh, the one I mentioned earlier, uh, is uh, license scanning. So you get an overview of which licenses are used in your uh, in, in the libraries that you're referencing and is even transitive. So libraries of libraries. Um, and our legal team is actually using so at one point our legal team would keep a manual updated list of the library of the licenses we're using uh, and SourceClear can actually gather that information automatically. Quickly showing how we have integrated this into the common build pipeline. So as mentioned we have a shared pipeline used across the microservices. Um, and the idea behind that is to have the logic for building uh, building uh, and deploying services in one. So we have one place of the logic. And then at the service level, this on the left side, we'll just, for a specific service, just specify configuration. Um, in this case, for enabling SourceClear, you specify that this is a uh, Java version. So which uh, image is used for scanning that. And, um, example of how this is actually implemented. Very basic example, but the idea that in this case, we are taking the SourceClear. If, if, if SourceClear has been enabled for this uh, repository, then run the SourceClear the source scanning within a Docker container and process the log we get from SourceClear. How that looks to the development team. Or, so there's this part where we have uh, the static code analysis steps running as part of the pipeline. So this is for a full deployment. You would also have this on a pull request where you also would get the source clear or the static analysis scanning. So even on a pull request level, you actually get information if there has been found a vulnerability. And one thing to note here is that, so this is quite typical. Uh, it's actually a, one of our services within Java that 95% of this uh, code base is external third-party libraries, which matches quite well that I hear numbers between 90 and 95%. And then you get, in this case, if you set the notification, give the, the development team actually comments on the pull request that they would actually found issues with this pull request and um, expand that to get more information about at the bottom which risks were found. Another open source tool is Trivi for doing container scanning. I say the container scanning has shown to not to be that relevant for the development teams given that um, it's usually not part of the workflow, that if there is a vulnerability in your image, it's typically caused by some external dependency, in, for instance, that a vulnerability was found, and it's not something that is necessarily related to that pull request. So this is something that we want to do on runtime scanning instead. One uh, aspect of security is to when to actually uh, trigger deployment. Um, also to make sure that you are aware, that you know what is going into a production environment. So we require a pull request with at least one uh, approver. Uh, that's a team-specific rule. So for some teams, they actually require multiple approvers. Um, no direct pushes to master. And it's actually only uh, the CICD pipeline, or Jenkins in this case, which has uh, access to deploy to uh, production. And secrets management, back to the point of no secrets and code. There are various tools for this. We are using Vault, which will, so how you specify that is that you store the secret into Vault, and then you can reference that in, in this case, in the Kubernetes manifest. Um, so no secrets, but it's read at deployment time 
by this vault secret treasure that we're using. And more information about that on these uh, blog posts you can search for managing credentials at Unity. They actually have open sourced this tool. And there are also other tools available for this. Um, Google Secret Manager, for instance. And last part is um, we've experimented with Falco, which is a open source intrusion detection uh, tool, which can actually give you information about, for instance, if you have containers running as, uh, as root. So conclusions slash learnings, early feedback to devs. Um, the earlier you can give feedback, the better, um, but also keep in mind that, and may especially make that actionable. Some of the uh, feedback we've got that if it's not actionable, then dev teams cannot really, um, it has to be actionable in relation to the workflow that they are. Um, so they actually, for, for instance, for pull request work, workflow, if it's something that is not detectable until runtime, um, then use uh, runtime scanning for those instead. Hope it was uh, useful and thanks for joining. Oh yes, for sure it was useful, Rasmus. Thanks for the lessons learned and your advices. Next time, our guest comes from Microsoft. He is Sam Guckenheimer, Azure DevOps product owner. He tells us an interesting story of transforming Microsoft to using Azure DevOps and GitHub with a globally distributed service on the public cloud. But he will also refer to the lessons learned at Microsoft during the recent lockdown period. Until then, remember to give early actionable feedback to your developers. 